dog fans, it's the Dogcast, episode 475. We're back after a big win in Jacksonville. We officially have a head coach that has a winning record against Florida. I'm in the bunker all alone, but I've got Derek on the line. Derek, what did you think about the 19-point beatdown? I'm telling you, man. It made my weekend, it made my year, just like beating the Gators always does. It never gets old, knocking off the evil empire, man. Two years in a row, t- double-digit win, I think for the first time since like the 40s, right? Um, it was awesome. Huge game. Right back, right back to business, following the script, just like we drew it up. Absolutely. Before I get involved in all the rights and the wrongs of the game... I mean, first and foremost, we beat Florida again, and there's not much in life more important than that. <laughs> it's really not, dude. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Um, I've had Florida fans like on Twitter, Facebook, talk about, oh, you act like you won the national championship. I'm like, no, I didn't. I act like I beat Florida, and that's important. It should not told a Florida fan. It should be important for you guys if y'all beat us. This is a rivalry. You're supposed to get excited. I know, right? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know. When, when you lose, you try to talk it down, right? Um, I mean, hell, I saw a thing with one of their players, defensive back, you know, saying that he didn't think the best team won the game. And, you know, it was an execution issue. He talked down their practices. He's like, oh, you know, our practices were lackadaisical this week. That's not the kind of crap they were saying before the game, of course. But after the game, maybe their practices are lackadaisical. Let me tell you something. If you can't get up as a team and get fired up and get excited about the Georgia-Florida game, you are probably in the wrong sport, my friend. Absolutely. I don't think you've got a future in this game. No, you're in the wrong spot. Because I can tell you you exactly where the practices were not lackadaisical. We didn't have those practices. Damn right. Did you see that dancing? I mean, did you see Coach Smart in the locker room after the game? He is not a guy that was taking that game lackadaisical, right? Absolutely not. This meant something. 100% meant something. Does this define our season? Not as far as we go, but look, we're all fans here. We're fans of the University of Georgia football. We're fans. So to say that this wasn't a big win, it's always a big win. There's never been a time that beating Florida was not a big win. <laughs> you damn right, man. And I tell you, for Jake Fromm, huge comeback. Worst game of the season for him in the Baton Rouge two weeks ago. He comes back, solidifies himself co-offensive player of the week in the SEC, does everything he needs to do. You know, he missed one read early in the game, and from then on, pretty much a flawless game out of Jake Fromm, making the throws, making the reads. Uh, Felipe Franks still sucks, as I knew he would. Um, You know, it was all around a great game. Hell, how about Isaac Nauta? How about the tight ends in general, man? Five catches. 73 yards. Did Isaac Nauta really have four catches in a row? In a two-minute drill. He led a whole two-minute drill down the field. The whole thing. Holy shit. That did my heart so much good, man. Oh, and absolutely. I, but, and I'll tell you, what, it was fantastic. I loved it. I loved the tight ends catching the ball, and I loved our guys running the ball, too. Holyfield is every bit as damn tough as we said he was, isn't he? Oh, he is. And, and Holyfield didn't have the game that everybody expected. But what he gave you is those grinding, punishing yards up the middle that wears the defense down. And Swift was Swift of old. He got out and and, yeah. and, and, and flashed some of that speed and athleticism and, and scored some points. But Holyfield, he was a punisher. Well, he was the beneficiary. Well, Swift was the beneficiary of Holyfield's work, right? Holyfield did the heavy lifting, and Swift got to uh, right. to eat the frosting this week. You know, Holyfield was doing the meat and potatoes work, and Swift got the cupcakes at the end. You know, but hey, it's a team game, and uh, Holyfield's gotten his share of credit and his share of glory this year. And I was happy to see Swift get back in the game and make some waves for himself. You know, hundred yard game. 
that was really good for Swift. I think he his, needed that. His first hundred yard game in Athens, or as a Bulldog, went in Athens. But yep, you get the exactly. gist of that. Yep. That's his first one. He did need it because he's been. I mean, he's been kind of pulled back by that hamstring all year. So to get out and see that I, I I've still got this, that that'll do good, and it'll it'll, it'll help us out a lot next week. Yeah, and he's, you know, I'm sure, too, I mean, I know, you know, everybody says stuff, you know, and they say all the right things, but you, you guys are competitors, right? You can't tell, I'm sure, I mean, I know he's, a, he's not, I'm not saying he's down on Holyfield, right? But he's kind of been in Holyfield's shadow, right, since like week one with the injury and stuff and all that. I bet you it does his heart good to uh, to be back on top, at least for one game, you know? Oh, it absolutely does. And and look, if you're an athlete, you can be really good, but there are moments where no matter how good you are, your confidence level might drop a little bit. And that can be due to sure. many many different factors, but you're battling an injury, you're in a system where you split carries with somebody who somebody that's been doing I mean, for the sake of just being honest, I mean Holyfield has looked better for most of the year. Um and I'm sure. not, that's not down in Swift at all. He's been injured, but Holyfield's kind of been the lead guy. So Swift had all the hype coming in. He, he's going to be. How about your boy? Guy. How about your boy? Your boy Jeremiah Holloman turning well, in his best game. He gets his first start of his career and freaking sticks the landing, baby. Look, you're going to make me fast forward a little bit, but I'm looking at my notes here. <laughs> And we're going to go to J.J. Holloman. Man, I'm going to say this. If the dog cast started handing out game balls, J.J. Holloman would be the recipient of the very first one I ever gave out. His presence in this game, in my opinion, has done far more than loaded up a box score with a couple touchdowns. Giving Jake Fromm a target that will go up and get a mistake. He didn't throw it just right, but you've got somebody that can still go get it and still make points out of it. J.J. Holloman gets the game ball. Yeah, and I'm telling you, that. and speaking of the throws, though, the touchdown throw to Godwin, the touchdown throw, the back shoulder throw to Holloman, those are some of Dan Fromm's best work. And Holloman really looks a lot like like Javon Williams like Javon over there, Williams. doesn't he? I mean, he's nothing, but, he's nothing but damn arms and legs. He's like, he, hell, he looks like a spider or something, dude. He's just damn arms and legs and catching stuff, right? That's not, I, I told my wife that. I was like, this this is going to give from 2018's Javon Williams. This is going to build his confidence and allow him to go out there, relax a little bit, and say, you know what? I don't have to be perfect. I've got a guy that can go out there and get the ball because nobody's perfect. I mean, he can't be perfect every play. And a few inches off with the wrong wide receiver, going to be a pick. With the right wide receiver, it's a touchdown. Now, honestly, though, the whole game, let's be all be honest, the whole damn game was not sunshine and rainbows, right? Absolutely not. It wasn't sunshine and rainbows. It was not a perfect game by any means. We still have – some mechanical flaws, right? There's still problems with the uh, offensive line is not, you know, they played a good game. I mean, offensive line played a good game, perfectly serviceable. They gave from the pocket he needed when he needed it. But uh, there was also, oh. you know, a lot of a lot of flies and a lot of ointments. Well, there was. Pass protection, the offensive line looked amazing. They did their job 100% in pass protection. The Fromm had a clean pocket most of the day. And this will go to the Let's talk about that goal defense. line stand, though. All right. And that's, like, that's about, let's so talk about that goal line stand. You've got to get pushed there. And a lot of people are mad at Chaney for sneaking, 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 sneaking with Fromm. I, I, I like that because if your line's doing what it's supposed to do, one of those times you get points. This it was, should have worked, right? It should Although have worked. Grantham is a guy. Grantham is a guy that sells out on the run. You know what I mean? He has a tendency to sell out, and that that did play right into his hands. But 
you know, the thing that frustrated me the most, and I'm not down on Isaac Nauta because of it. I am confident that Nauta was doing exactly what he was supposed to do because he did it over and over and over. On three of those six plays, the tackle was made by that edge rusher, number 92, who came in untouched and crashed the backfield. And all three times, he went right by Isaac Nauta I tell you, the thing that I couldn't believe was that, I mean, that was a schematic error, right? That was a that was a an error in the scheme, in the play, in the design, and I cannot believe a that that problem exists, and b that they couldn't fix it on the fly any better than they did. I was blown away that Nauta crashed down rather than chipping out on that edge rusher. Well, you've got to chip at some point. You have to. After you see you're getting beat. You have to at least gonna breathe on the guy. Right. I mean, you got to attempt to do something. You almost have holy to. shit. Even if the <laughs> I mean, play is not designed for it. our guy at the damn point of con- Yeah. Right. Even if the uh, play's not designed for it, you might have to go rogue there and throw out an arm or something. Because that's all you needed. You needed an extra second. I mean, you just needed sure. to get in front of him instead of him having the ability to, to speed rush off that edge and take you out of the play. That that was as bad. That that was bad as bad as I've seen. I mean, that's oh. supposed to be seven points. And they kept showing those plays. They kept showing them with that top down cam where you could just see that dude coming off the oh, edge. And yeah. I'm like, holy shit! Right. Somebody hit him. Somebody hit that guy. Um, them. No, but yeah. I'll tell you. I'll tell you though, I've come up with a I've come up with an idea about why that why the goal line stand happened, and it's not all about the edge rusher. It's not all about Nauta getting a kick out on that guy. Part of it is I think those penalties. You know, there was a time there where we got the pass interference, we got the 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 sideline warning on Mullen. It wasn't a warning; it was a damn real penalty on Mullen. Um, you know, the problem with that was we kept getting reset the first down. Right. And what we needed was just to be stuck on third down. That's what we needed. If we'd had more third down opportunities in that goal line, we would have definitely scored a touchdown. Because it turns out, third down, I mean, I know, stop me if you've heard this before, Jamie. Turns out, third, third down, not Todd Grantham's strong suit. <laughs> There's a phrase floating around the internet, and don't quote me on this. What, I know it's it's right like, tip of my tongue. Third and third and Grantham, third and Todd, third and Grantham, Todd. something like that. Yeah, we'll just call it. I'm Todd. sure I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. Did you see those assholes put that in their program? Florida put it in their program about how good todd grantham is on third down right right the program that they sold before the game touted his defense as third down prowess i bet you it's going to be a minute before they talk about his third down prowess again you know yeah and, and people tend to do that and everything when you mess up real bad at something like the chinese restaurant that serves cats they're they're in their <laughs> ad they're like they're pita friendly <laughs> they're they're not sure. going to tell you. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean they're man. they're not going to tell you. you. Todd Grantham still sucks. I mean, period. The end. We and, and David Pollock said it best. I hate this. I'm not going to paraphrase in here. We played our B game and still beat them by, by beat them a top ten team by nineteen points. We did not play our best That's game, true. guys. We we were. It's not like we were world beaters out there. We still met, offense. We're solid. We there was a lot to be desired on defense. Yeah, I agree. In the run game, in the contain game, we still have problems, you know. And we got Benny Snell on the damn horizon. But uh, lucky for us, I don't have to worry about J.R. Reed splitting his attention between the deep ball, which he does a great job with, and run fit, you know. So I think we're going to be good against Kentucky. But like you said, hell, I'm not even sure it's our B game that we played against Florida. I'm well, really not. not. I mean, not it, became a, 
maybe it was our C game in the first half and our B game in the second half, but we, we definitely have got a chance to get better. We got a chance to get better. And number six, we've got – and thank you, Kirby and Mel Tucker or whoever makes – whoever does linebacker substitutions. I'm not sure who it is, but Tay Crowder and Monty Rice got the majority of the snaps. And they are absolutely – on running downs, our best, our best fit. I mean, you can add Taylor in for Rice on passing downs. But right now, until number six gets it worked out, and I'm not knocking him. I wish him absolutely the best. This isn't a bash nature as Patrick. He's having a hard time. He, he's- hey, let me tell you something, too. You're, I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. I want the kid to get better. But meanwhile, Tay Crowder? Is kicking ass. He's getting better. I mean, you know, I'm a Monty Rice guy. Me too. I'm a Monty Rice guy. But, but right, Crowder right now, Tay Crowder's our player. Best. Right now, Tay Crowder is on all around is our best inside linebacker. Running downs, Monty Rice may still have a little a step ahead of him. But for four downs, Tay Crowder, because if you have to drop back in coverage, Crowder's better than Rice. Crowder is yeah. turning into a ball I'm player. I'm telling you, man. Had he played linebacker, I love it. And- had he played linebacker his whole life, he would be he would be all world right now. He's two years into this, two years. Yeah. Well, just like Mel Tucker said, we're always developing the next Roquan, right? Roquan wasn't even Roquan for his whole career at Georgia, you know. I mean, and Tay Crowder is going to get there. He may. I mean, it's hard to say anybody's going to be Roquan. But don't tell me in Roquan's sophomore season you were sitting there thinking, oh, this guy's a top ten pick. I thought Roquan was coming right. on his sophomore year. Oh, he's showing a little promise. In his junior year, he he showed me the best inside linebacker we've ever had. But his sophomore year – I mean, I saw signs that he was improving, but there was no definitive moment that said Roquan Smith is the best that's ever done this for you guys. There was that happened. In the, <laughs> right. That happened in the off season. That showed up. Yeah, it's, game one, the very next year in 2017. It's an evolution, dude. It's an Absolutely. evolution. It's, exactly it's a, it's a work is. in progress all the time. That's exactly what it is. It's an evolution, about, and you can't. And, and, and sometimes it takes an off season to ne- take that next step. And for Tay Crowder, I think he's going to be on the he's going to be on the cusp next year. I do too. And you know, speaking of coverage, how about people? I, I mean, <laughs> just I love it. Bless your heart, Dan Mullen, for throwing at damn uh, DeAndre Baker. You know, everybody's got to throw at him once, right? You got to throw at him once. You just got to see one. if it's true. <laughs> yeah, you got to see if it's true. <laughs> and then you're like, yeah, that's true, dude. It's like, that's true. That's not going to work. It's like poking that hornet's nest. Does it really sting? <laughs> of course it yeah, does. Yeah, exactly. But Let's you try this to yeah. see what happens. Yeah, and, and it worked. <laughs> and, yeah, the, good luck. I mean, can somebody catch a ball on DeAndre Baker? For sure. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I just hadn't seen him yet. <laughs> He's out there somewhere. No, we hadn't, we hadn't run across those guys yet. I mean, he does. Yeah, let's talk a little. Go ahead. I was, I was going to say, let's talk a little bit about special teams, man. Okay. Because I tell you, I was really happy. I believe uh, Jake Carmona is getting his groove back. You know, early in the season, we were talking about this kid. His problem was kicking it too far. And then he lost his damn mind and was shank just all over the place. He had like the yips. But, and he started out kind of weak, but I'm telling you, boy, he had some damn punts. I swear to God, he had one that looked like it was 70 damn yards. I think it like he punted it from the 20 to the other 20. He, had, he did an excellent job. He really did. And what I, th- I think he needs, right now, as a freshman, he needs to kick as straight as possible. Yeah. We don't need I know, to right? aim Just... at the corners. We we need him to, and I think that's where because we kick left a lot, and, and Cameron even said that on Twitter. He's like, look, like we we kick left. That's just the way we do it. Like a certain percentage of all of our punts 
last year. So they have, after giving Jake a few games, they started doing the same thing. Well, he's shanking those. I mean, I, I think he's missing, or we're missing Kevin Butler back there a little bit. But getting him back, kicking him a little more straight, he's learning some of that touch. He's not booting him in the end zone. And my word, Miko was sitting on the half yard mark like, like a oh, homie, man. Like a that homie could not be. Yeah, like I know exactly. Couldn't where have this been was, executed any better. You you'd think they've probably done that before. Hey, I'll tell you something else too. We we found out what the downside of having a damn kicker as good as uh, Rod Blankenship is too, right? Because. When you have a guy who's kicking touchbacks every single time, turns out when he misses contact and doesn't have his best kick, well, maybe <laughs> you catch maybe you catch your kickoff coverage team sleeping. You know what I mean? Because it's easy to nod off when a damn guy's kicking it through the uprights every single time. Yeah, they're back. But boy, they're he back. Come up, he came up. Yeah, he came up short, and it cost us. It cost us. We're back there doing the Macarena or something. I don't know. He looked up, and there's a guy on the 25 running wide open. <laughs> and, and, and you're right. And you're right. I mean, you get spoiled, and you go to sleep a little bit. I mean, not for real, but you just assume. It's hard not to. So you just assume. This is what I have to do. In your mind, you're doing a different job. You're not doing this job. You're doing that job. And then all of a sudden... You're doing the other job. We had, we were plus three in turnovers. That's awesome. Plus three in turnovers. Yeah. We had four penalties in the whole game. We had four TDs on third down. I'm telling you, it was a box score to die for. Well, third and Grantham is, is a real thing. So, of course, we had some TDs <laughs> on third down. <laughs> Oh man, I'm telling you, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was a great game. I loved it. I loved all of it. I mean, I didn't love every damn minute of it, but man, it, it's it's good. It's great to be a Georgia Bulldog. Absolutely. There's never a bad day to say we whip Florida. Never. And Dan Mullen told me how he's going to be back next year, and that's cute. Keep 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 coming, baby. All Dan Mullen had to say was what they didn't do, what they didn't do. Let me tell you what Dan Mullen's still not doing, and we don't talk about this a lot on this show, but I follow it real closely. Let me tell you what Dan Mullen, he was real, real good at it at Mississippi State, and he's came to Florida, and he's still real good at it. He recruits three-star Freaking football players like nobody's business. He's still doing it in Florida. <laughs> yeah, I know it. I'm telling you. And, you know, how about him opening the game with that damn flea flicker? You think he's still damn smarting over that damn Mississippi State game last year when Kirby handed him his ass? Oh, that's I think exactly he's still what damn, I said. He's like, he tried so hard. But my wife and I both said this all through this football season, watching the Dan Mullen videos. He is like a – Great value version of Kirby Smart. He's the generic version. He tries to get hype in the locker room and wear this and say that. He has came to Florida and is like, I'm a, a washed out, poor version of the guy in Georgia. Get behind me. And it's, it's comical, to say the least. Hell, I think he looks like Cousin Eddie. I think he looks like Cousin Eddie off freaking vacation. He I does. expect him to come up. I expect him to walk up to a ref and say, shitter's full <laughs> at, at, at any given second. You know? Any given second. But um, anyway, it was a great game. Loved it. Loved it. And now we got to get ready for Kentucky. we got to get ready because the East is on the line. It comes this down to it. this one game. This is it. We're, I mean... It, you never want to be in a one-and-done situation, but you always want to be in a situation where you control your own destiny. And we're there. This is it. And look, guys, I, 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 I'm, I'm still pumped from beating Florida. And I told you I'm not going to be shooting rainbows and butterflies from now on. And, and I'm not. I'm just happy. This game is going to be a different game than we had before. And we'll touch on that this week. But... We're doing this in what's supposed to be our down year. This we, we lost a lot. 
and here we are. We're one game away from going back to Atlanta for the SEC championship in a year that most people that study the roster wouldn't be disappointed if we didn't make it. We've lost sure. a lot. You're exactly right. We've got a lot of youngsters. They're growing every day. I mean, they're getting better, but you just can't expect them to be all world this soon. But here we, we're still competitive. This is a different era. We're not our, our off years. We're not using. We're not losing six games. We, we're losing one, maybe two. The second one in the SEC championship. We own the East now. I love it. It is a new new era for Georgia football, man. It's the Kirby Smart era, and I'm I'm down with it. I'm still I'm still on board, man. And I tell you, on that sobering note, baby, I think we need to wrap up this show, Jamie. You got anything else you want to cover? I got one last thing. A late call in that I just happened to get before right before we did the show. Keith from Fort Worth called in and we don't ever talk about other football teams. And I'm throwing this out of left field to you. And I don't know if you watched the game. But he called in and said, you know, Mizzou versus Kentucky. In the final five minutes, Mizzou had two possessions, and they threw the ball three times in each possession, six total times, instead of burning the clock. He said, can we please, please, please touch on that in the next episode? And I was happened to be watching the game, so I don't know if you did, but I can speak on it a little bit. Go for it, because I actually didn't see the game. I really I thought the jury was going to be able to close the deal, you know? Should have closed the deal. We won't, I'll mention that. That pad, that was that push-off in the end zone was worse than Nauta's, just the guy didn't fall down. I mean, he shoved him to create his separation, caught the touchdown, and went to the house. But the reason they threw the ball six times in the, in the last two possessions with five minutes left where you think run the clock, run the clock, run the clock, they knew Kentucky was coming downfield. They they felt in their heart they needed more points. They needed at least three. They wanted to kick a field goal. And they were averaging a whopping 2.4 yards per carry on the night. You cannot get it done in the SEC right there. So they felt they have a first-round draft pick and Drew Locke. We're going to try a few times, chunk it down the field. And... You know, it wouldn't have hurt them had the referees thrown the flag. I mean, it's not my team, so I'll call it like I see it. There should have been a flag on that play that have backed them up, and odds are they don't score. Missouri goes home. Kentucky has two losses. That's where I'm at with it. Right. Hey, excellent analysis, my friend. I didn't see it, but it sounds like you're spot on, man. I mean, they don't have the rushing game to pound it like that, you know. And I think if they're trying to get a first down, if they're trying to get points, if they're trying to get anything other than just eating three a three and out and running clock, uh, they can't run it. I mean, that's just not Missouri's game. Not Missouri's game. They were up five. They wanted those three points badly. Eight points, they felt like they had it in the bag. Five, they weren't so confident. It bit them. Maybe if they did a grind of the clock, maybe. But they two point four yards of carry is not getting you very far. <laughs> no, no, sir. Dog fans, thanks for listening, man. We appreciate you guys checking out the show. If you like the show, hit up the PayPal button on the website and buy a cup. I would love to ship you a souvenir cup. If you're listening to this and you're in, I don't know, Fort Worth, Texas or Denver, Colorado, and you're thinking, man, you know what I need for that Auburn game? I need a souvenir cup to drink a giant bourbon and Coke out of. Man, have I got a deal for you. So hit up our PayPal button. You can email us at dogcast at gmail.com. You can talk to Jamie on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the dogcast podcast. You can follow us on Stitcher or Spotify, Instagram, Twitter. We're all over the place. We're worldwide. The original, the biggest, the best, the oldest, the home of Georgia football talk on the Internet. Guys, it's the Dogcast. Tell your friends. Jamie, make sure you turn off the light in the bunker. And, guys, I'm going to be in Vegas all this week. If you guys are interested in doing something fun in Vegas, I'm here till Friday. 
Actually, I'm here till Saturday. So, hey, if I got any listeners in Vegas that want to get a drink, I'm here with nothing to do at night in Vegas. Jamie, why don't you take us out, buddy? I'm good to go, buddy. One week away from Kentucky, two weeks from two weeks away from Auburn. The season's on the line. Let's get after it. Go dogs. How about them dogs? It was a great beginning of the game. It was a great ending of the game. Everything in the middle was question mark. The only big complaint I have about this game was that goal line stance. The only complaint I have about this game is Oh, God, I could have jumped through the screen and killed Cheney. I mean, oh, man, stop it. Do something different. I mean, it's like the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, trying to, to – looking for a different outcome. Forget it. Okay, fine. It's over. Two things. Kept chopping, kept playing, putting the pedal to the metal. That's what I like. That's Georgia football. There's still some things to clean up. There's still some things to get to get going. This is it. This is the run. And oh, by the way, Dog has technical support. Predicted the score, 38-18. I was off by a little bit. How about them dogs? Dog has technical support. I wish I wasn't on meds that prevented me from drinking. I couldn't use a drink. Dog has technical support. Out. Derek. Jamie, it's Herm Dog. How about them dogs? From, I thought From might have might have shut up a lot of those critics tonight. What do y'all think? Well, Justin Fields never hit the field. Got nothing against him, but I think From got the message last week. As far as that goes, I think Kirby did too. We run the ball. We run it down their throat. Show them gators what them dogs are about. Smart dogs. Go dogs. Love the show, guys. See you. Well, how about them dogs? Hey, this message goes out to all the uh, online guys talking all that junk. Um. Yeah. So here's all I gotta say. I know you look for reasons to uh, trash the dogs and everything like that, but guess what? We just won by 19. And you know what? I'm not gonna quit rooting my dogs on. I'm not gonna quit being the positive person. And I'm not gonna quit saying that I believe in this team. And um everybody that keeps wanting to compare us to Bama and all that stuff, that's fine. That's cool. Anything like that. But you know what? We're not. We're not them. We're us. Root for what you got. Enjoy it. We're winning. We own the East. We got Kentucky next week. If you're one of those people that just loves to look at something negative, then quit watching. I mean, honestly, I, I just don't understand it. I really don't. I don't get it. You know, I mean, got a great team. I mean, enjoy it. They're young. They they're gonna take their lumps, and it's great. Go dogs. Love them. Love you guys. Out. Well, hello. Isaiah's uncle here, calling from low country, coastal South Carolina. I, I don't know. I, I thought the dogs were going to lose, but looks like they went down to Jacksonville. Took care of business. I, I didn't think they'd take care of business, but it looks like they kind of, even though they didn't stick with a run game, they... Sort of kept it going and uh let Fromm throw the ball around on third and medium and third and long and somehow survived. <laughs> I don't know. Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart. Just staying alive, trying to 
get the dogs to the next level, I guess. I don't know, but uh, I know they got to play Kentucky. <laughs> Lord of mercy. Kentucky. Ken damn Tucky. And, and they're looking pretty good, but uh, I think the dogs, I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to, Kirby Smart's going to work up something, and uh, I think they're going to be able to run the ball against uh, Kentucky and uh, pick the Wiggly Field or whatever the hell they call that thing up there. So I hope the dogs do all right, and everybody has a good good week of preparation. Preparations for Kentucky. Go dogs. Hey, Derek, guys, listen. This is Keith from Fort Worth, Texas. Biggest dog fan west of the Mississippi River. Anyhow, listen, I hope you can address sometime during this week's broadcast, podcast, um, what was the deal on the in the Missouri game? They had a five-point lead with five minutes and six seconds left. And that whole series, they threw the ball three times. Stopped the clock. They must have burned, what, 18 seconds off the clock. They give it over, turn the ball over to Kentucky. They get the ball back, and they do the same thing. Can you address that on your show? Sure would appreciate it. Go dogs. (laughs) 